Welcome to today's edition of the Bible Class. Our teacher, Dr. Kenneth C. Hill, is teaching from the New Testament book of John. You may send your questions by email through our website at whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Or you may mail your questions to the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. And now, here is Dr. Hill with today's lesson. Welcome to the Bible class. We're continuing our study in the Gospel according to John, chapter 9. We had finished at verse 23, but I want to go back to the first of the chapter just to put it in context to help us in our study. Jesus had passed by, verse 1, and saw a man who was blind from birth. His disciples asked him some questions, wanted to know if this man or his parents had sinned. Well, since he was blind from birth, when would he have had opportunity to sin? But they asked the question nonetheless. And in verse 3, Jesus answered and told them, Neither this man nor his parents had sinned to cause this blindness. Now, certainly they were sinners, but they had not sinned to cause this blindness. He said, It was because the works of God should be made manifest in him. We should be able, those there, should be able to see the work of God in this blind man. That's the reason the man was blind. There was a divine purpose for this man's blindness. Now let's take that a little further and discuss it for a moment. There was a divine purpose in the preparation of the great fish for Jonah. There was a divine purpose in the burning bush in the wilderness that spoke, where God spoke from the burning bush, to Moses. There was purpose, divine purpose, in each and every incident in the lives of the children of Israel as they were leaving Egypt to go to the promised land. Remember, if you have studied it, the stories of memorials and memorials and memorials. And uh, when the children are to ask, what mean these stones, we're to tell them that thus and so happened. Things had happened to show forth God and his work. Now, do you think that if God did that in the Old Testament and in the times of the patriarchs, and he did it in the New Testament in the time of Christ, does not God have purpose in all things that come your way? Of course he does. We don't always understand the purpose, but the purpose at its very core is that the works of God should be shown in you. That the works of God should be shown in me. And so this man was blind from birth so that God's works could be seen through him. And then Christ made this statement, which is one that reverberates to this day, in verse 5. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. 
and so as the light of the world, he gave light to the blind. Verse 6, he um, spat on the ground, made clay of the spittle, and then put the mud on the eyes of the blind man. This uh, muddy clay then uh, was to be washed off. He told him to go to the pool of Siloam. That's the pool of being sent. Go there and wash. And he did. And he came back with his eyesight complete. Not uh, seeing men as trees, as was the case in one healing, where Christ uh, had another um, teaching to make. But in this case, the man was healed completely, 100%. He had 20-20 or better vision immediately. And the neighbors were the first ones to react. Now, we more or less talked about this last time, but I want to uh, touch it again. The neighbors are the first ones to see it. Now, when there's a change in your life, you experience it, but those around you see it. They experience it as well. It's made manifest to them. And these neighbors were saying, isn't this the guy that was blind from birth and he's been begging out here? Isn't this the one that we've been helping as a beggar? Some said, well, yeah, that's him. Others said, no, it's somebody that looks a lot like him. Maybe it's his cousin or something because, you know, after all, he was born blind. How's he going to see? You talk about negative to the core. Those are the kind of negative people that when they're in your congregation and you're worshiping in the same uh, location as they are, they're the ones that always say, well, God can't do that. Let me tell you what, God can it's not not a question of if he can. He can, because God is God. And so they talk to him. These are the neighbors. They talk to the blind man, or the man that was blind, who is now seeing. And they said, how were your eyes opened? How did you come to see? And he said, a man called Jesus made this muddy clay, anointed mine eyes, told me to go to the pool of Siloam and wash. I went and washed, and I received my sight. And they were wanting to know, well, where is this man called Jesus? He said, I don't know. Now notice, all of this was being done for the blind man, and yet he had never seen the Christ. He had never placed his faith in Christ Jesus either, except for the point of healing. He had placed his faith for healing. He had not placed his faith for salvation. He didn't know that that was available. He will find that out when we get down in further verses. It was the Sabbath day when Jesus made that mud, made that clay, and opened the eyes of the man. And so the Pharisees went on a rampage. This man's not of God. He doesn't keep the Sabbath he did servile work on the Sabbath day. Now, what was the servant's work that he did? He spit on the ground and made mud of some dirt, of some clay. You see, that in and of itself was considered to be labor by these Pharisees who would strain at the smallest thing to make people sinful. 
And they said, this guy has got to be a sinner. He can't do a miracle because he's a sinner. Well, there was a division among the Pharisees. There was a division among everybody. The neighbors, there was a division. You just heard about that where they said, well, no, this is maybe his cousin or somebody. Others saying, no, this is the man. He was the man, of course. Then you got Pharisees saying, well, a sinner couldn't do this because if he's a sinner, he couldn't do a miracle. Well, but he's a sinner because he worked on the Sabbath. He doesn't keep the Sabbath. So the ruler Jews, these Pharisees, asked the blind man. The neighbors had asked the blind man. Now the rulers of the Jews, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, the members of the Sanhedrin, here they are, the rulers, they're asking the blind man. And they say unto the blind man, verse 17, What sayest thou of him that opened your eyes? And he said, he is a prophet. Now, he didn't know him. He had never seen him. That was the first answer when they asked about him. Where is he? When they asked about Jesus, these Pharisees, asking, well, what kind of guy is he? He said, he's a prophet. Now, he's gone from, I don't know him, never met him, never seen him, to he's a prophet. There's a progression here as this man is going toward faith in Jesus Christ for his salvation. The Jews, that is these rulers, refused to accept the word of this man. They wouldn't believe that Jesus was a prophet. So they called his parents. Now think about this. This man could have been 40 years old, 30 years old, but his parents were still living, ever how old he was. He was of age. Parents say so in just a bit. But the parents were called and were asked to justify what had gone on. The parents hadn't been there, apparently. And so they asked them, saying, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then doth he now see? In other words, they're even questioning the parents. Uh, is this uh, the fellow that you say was born blind? Uh, if he was born blind, how can he see now? Interesting. See, the point is, they didn't want to accept the answers, so they kept asking more questions. And they didn't want to accept the answers that they had received from the people they had questioned, so they found more people to question. And that's what happens when people don't believe the truth. They have to go continue to ask questions of a larger and larger universe of people. Or they have to go do more research and they have to read more books. And so they asked him, they said, uh, you say this is your son. Is this your son, the one that you say was born blind? Is this him? If it is, how does he see? And his parents answered them and said, Verse 20, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but by what means he now seeth we know not, or who hath opened his eyes we know not. He is of age, ask him, he shall speak for himself. They were scared. 
And the verse tells us, the next one, verse 22, These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, the Messiah, he should be put out of the synagogue. He'd be gone. Couldn't, couldn't have a sacrifice for your sins. You couldn't dedicate your children. You couldn't be a part of the society at all if you accepted Christ. Verse 23, the scripture then reiterates that that's the reason the parents said he was of age. Ask him. All right. They would. Verse 24. Then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. That's good enough. But they continued, We know that this man is a sinner. Well, now, wait a minute. What would the answer be if this was you that had been the one born blind and this man, Jesus, had given you your sight back and he's called a sinner and you're to give God praise? What's your answer going to be? I marvel often at the faith of these people, such as this man who was born blind. Verse 25, he answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. But one thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. There are things that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know, as a former pastor of mine, Melbourne Morlock, used to say. And you need to know that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know that you are in Christ Jesus. It's something you need to know. And he said, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But I do know one thing. I was blind. I'm not blind now. Verse 26. They keep their questions coming. They will not accept the answer, and so they have to ask another question. You've seen this on presidential debates on television, for example, where they bring these politicians in and the uh, news person of whatever strain they are ask a question and they don't get the answer they want, so they keep asking and asking and asking and asking, and then when that one can't answer it the way they want it, they go to another one, another one of the candidates, and ask them the same kind of question. He gave them the answer. I can't tell you whether he's a sinner or not, but I can tell you I was blind. I'm not blind now. He made me whole. He gave me my sight. That is an impactful statement. That's one that would tear at your very being when you think about it i i couldn't see and now i can and he's the one that did it then said they to him again what did he do to thee how opened he thine eyes what are, are they asking for a surgeon's techniques here they haven't heard yet they've been told how many times first it was the neighbors then it was the Pharisees coming, and then they asked the parents, and then the parents sent them to the, to the son. The son, once again, is answering the questions. In verse 27, he gets a little snickety here. He answered them, I have told you already, and ye did not hear. Wherefore would ye hear it again? Will ye also be his disciples? Oh, he hit them hard. I think he was tired of their 
They're questioning. He was frustrated at the fact that they couldn't understand his answer. His answer was very clear. In fact, it was very, very clear. And he, he really reviles them here. He gives them a rebuke. I've told you, and I've told you, and I've told you, and I've told you. You want to hear it again so you might become his disciple? Is that the reason? Verse 28, then they reviled him. Turnabout's fair play, according to the Pharisees, and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. Of course they weren't. Uh, if they had been Moses' disciples, they would have received Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God, without question, if they were Moses' disciples, but they weren't. They talked about their father Abraham. They talked about their father Moses, if you will, the lawgiver, the great man that he was. They talk about him. They talk about him as being part of who they are, but they're not part of what Moses was doing. Verse 29, we know that God spake unto Moses, as for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. Well, they did know from where he came. They knew everything that they needed to know about him had they wished to find out. It was not that Christ came in a vacuum or in a hidden spot or a hidden place. Everything about Christ's life was public and public knowledge had they wished to know. But they chose not to know. The same is true now. For these people that are on this great hunt for the truth, the truth is presented time and time and time again with precision and with clarity throughout the scripture. But here in the book of John, the gospel of John in particular, and in this portion, it's exquisite in its presentation of the greatness of who Christ is, who Jesus the Christ is. But there are people who will encounter you and you will encounter them in your lifetime will say, well, I just don't know. I'm just trying to find out. I've just got to ask some more people. And they, like the Pharisees, are still blind in their sin. Verse 30, the man answered and said unto them, why herein is a marvelous thing that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God, and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. What a wonderful statement of truth. If this man, and he didn't know him as the Son of God yet, if this man, Jesus, were not of God, he could not have healed me. If this Jesus were not of God, I would never have received my sight. If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. Verse 34, They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and thou dost teach us. And they cast him out. Well, this is what the world does. This is what the religious leaders of the world do. This is what the neighbors will do. This is what the families will do. When you have the truth and they refuse to receive the truth, they will cast you out. Pretty simple. It's happened time and time and time again. 
Now with some vain religions, those that are uh, devilish and demonic, and that, by the way, is all religions that are not Christian, uh, because Christ says that if you are not for me, you are against me. And so those kind of religions out there that do not worship Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God, do not understand the truth, do not receive the truth, they're always casting out those that don't agree with them or that they don't agree with. The problem is the religions that go further and not only cast them out but actually destroy them physically. And there are a number of those on this earth that are so satanic that they feel they must have blood if you don't agree with them. The Christian perspective is, if you disagree with me now, I'll continue to pray for you. And if God wills, we'll see some change in your life. Thank you for joining us today for this edition of the Bible Class with Dr. Kenneth C. Hill. You may reach us by email by going to our website, whcbradio.org, and sending us an email on the Contact Us link. That's whcbradio.org. If you prefer to use the Postal Service, our address is The Bible Class, WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blountville, Tennessee, 37617. That's The Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blountville, Tennessee, 37617. You may also call us at 423-878-6279. Until our next Bible Class program, we are trusting that the Lord will richly bless you as you serve Him.